You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. This is Sunday morning, January 11th. Praying God's promises. Oh, well, that's a good way to start. Thank you. One of the most important lessons we can learn is how to pray. Because prayers can change lives and prayers do not die. Prayer lives before God forever. Prayers are one of the most powerful forces in the kingdom of God. So let's open our Bibles or go to our iPads and turn to Mark 13, 31. Now, in this class we'll be using our Bibles and going to the Scriptures because that's how you learn. You'll learn how to use your Bible. You'll get the Word. We will read the Scripture out loud. You'll get it in your eyes by looking at your Bible. Get it in your ears by hearing it. And that helps us get it into our minds and our hearts. And in this class, uh, you may use your specific version of the Bible. If anyone else has a version that has something to add to it, or certain words that you would like to talk about, or, or get the definitions, just speak up. I will teach, but I want as much participation as possible. If you have questions, go ahead and answer them. And um, if you have any extra commentary, just go ahead and start talking because we want to hear uh, as much as we can. One person cannot possibly know everything, and we all come from different backgrounds and different studies, and we've read different books. So everyone's import is welcome. And if there's anything that is not completely understood, there are no stupid questions. Let's get it cleared up. So Mark 13, 31. And we'll start with Jill, if she would read from her Bible. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Okay. Now I have the NIV, and my, my version says my words will never pass away. Okay, the next scripture is Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 to 4. You have that, Tom? I'm trying to get it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that's Revelation 8, verses 3 to 4. Revelation 8. Got it? And another angel. Please speak up, so. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much in 
incense to oh I'm sorry to mingle with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense rose with the prayers of the saints from the hand of the angel before God anyone else have a version that they would like to read on that I have the amplified and another angel came and stood over the altar he had a golden censer and he was given very much incense fragrant spices and gums which exhaled perfume when burned that he might mingle it with the prayers of all the people of God the saints upon the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense the perfume arose in the presence of God with the prayers of the people of God the saints from the hand of the angel then Psalm 141 Verse 2. Okay, do you have that, Joel? Yes. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Okay. Who are the saints? Well, I guess the saints are, we are, born-again Christians, people that, people that follow Christ. The saints are those who accept Jesus as personal Lord and Savior, and they are recreated in Christ, and they are what we call born again, the second birth, which is a spiritual birth. So... I was thinking about this verse when I was still in bed this morning. <laughs> and those, those prayers of the saints, which is us, they rise up and they stay in heaven, in the mighty throne room, the heavenly throne room of God. And they are there in front of that big throne forever. And I got to thinking... What kind of prayers do I have hanging up there in heaven in the mighty throne room? Are my prayers effective prayers? Or did I pray up a list of once? You know, did I have whining, crying, begging, pleading? Or did I pray prayers of a mature person? Now God's omniscient and he knows everything and he has all of my prayers right there before him and he can look to see see my heart, see what I prayed. So everything I've ever prayed from the time I was unsaved, that was not there. But when I became saved, those prayers rose up and he's kept every one since I've been 24 years old. And some of those prayers were pretty immature prayers. And hopefully they have matured through the years. And he looks at my heart. So think about that. 
What do you have up there in the throne room at the altar? Yeah, I'm not so sure that prayers have a shelf life. <laughs> you know, I don't think that they fade over time. But on my way to driving to Saxon the other day, there's a really cute little billboard, and the pastor has up. This year, make it a resolution to pray on every day that ends in Y. And I thought that was very cute because it reminded me that maybe I should be praying more often. You know, because I, it's difficult for me to, to pray, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to hear Tina's teaching on this, because it's hard for me to, to actually break down in prayer. And, and she knows I still struggle with it. Well, we often pray, pray, and then it only gets as far as the ceiling, because then our mind wanders to say, oh, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? And in the middle of my prayer, I'm praying, what's dinner going to be like? And I forgot, where was I? Yeah. And I thought, wait a minute, I, I was in the presence of God, and all of a sudden I'm now, and I think he understands that, but so often I just think that prayer only went to the top of the ceiling and no further. Yeah, distracted. And I, yes, got distracted. And how many times do we lie down in bed at night, and we're just, oh, we're too tired. Yeah. So we just, you know, whip up a quick little Thank you, Lord. <laughs> sentence or two, or we get distracted by other things. Well, in the morning, I always say, thank you, Lord, for giving me another day to make it right. <laughs> as soon as I get awake, I said, okay, you gave me another day. Now let me see if I can make it right again. <laughs> well. That's a lot like what I do because I, I, every morning when I get up, one of the first things I do when I'm awake is I always say, good morning, Holy Spirit, based right. upon that book by Benny Hinn. Right. And it's made a huge difference for me because I'm spending the morning starting to talk with God. You know, yes. and I think that really helps my day to be able to do that. You know. Well, looking at these verses, this is establishing a foundation for us in learning about how how to pray effectively. And looking at these verses, we can see that God's words are eternal. His words never change and never die. His words forever have power, strength, and authority. So when you pray God's words, those same words spoken by you have the same effect. Not one prayer is wasted when they arise from the saints to the most holy place where the throne of God resides. Now when the priests served in the temple of Jerusalem, they sprinkled the blood of the sacrifice onto an altar in the outer temple court. Then they burned incense on a separate altar specific to that purpose, located in the inner court in front of the curtain of the Holy of Holies. And this is where they believed God resided, and that contains, contained the mercy seat. Now in John's vision in the book of Revelation, which we just read about, there is only one altar and it served both purposes. The cries of the martyrs for justice and vindication, which is in Revelation 6, 9 and 10. I think most of us in here have studied the book of Revelation. The cries of the martyrs mixed with the prayers of the saints at that golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints, go up before the Lord. They go up before God. When Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrificial lamb, arose from the garden tomb to return to his Father, 
That's in John 20, verse 17. He placed his living blood on the mercy seat, which is the heavenly throne of God. And that blood's still there. That blood, yes. This gives redemption and life to those who receive Jesus as personal Lord and Savior, who enter into covenant with him and become heirs to and recipients of the promises of God. Jesus sits at the right side of the throne of the Father and acts as intercessor for us. In Hebrews 10, verses 8 to 18, it tells us that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for all time, once and for all, sitting at the right hand of God. Now I know I just said a whole mouthful here, but this tells us how praying those promises of God actually works in the spiritual kingdom. So when we pray, they go up like incense to that altar. They mix with the cries of the mortars and the incense in heaven and they are there before God's throne. And on God's throne is the living blood of Jesus. We talk about the blood of Jesus all the time in church. Does everyone actually understand how that affects us up in heaven? It's his living blood. He told Mary not to touch him in the garden because he had to go to his father. He said, do not touch me. I must ascend to my Father. Well, what did he do when he ascended to the Father? He went up to the throne room in heaven and put his living blood on that mercy seat. The sacrifice of animals on earth no longer has effect. The high priest does not have to go into the Holy of Holies and put animal blood on that Ark of the Covenant known as the mercy seat which he did once a year. He does, that no longer was valid because Jesus put his living blood on the mercy seat on the throne of God. And that is what gives us eternal life. It gives us life here on earth, in the physical and spiritual realms, and forever in the spiritual realm. The old covenant and the new covenant. Yes. Does everybody have an understanding? Do you have any questions about that? Okay. Well, the Old Covenant was just the fact that they they had to sacrifice a, a blood a, animal just so they could their sins. But Life is in the blood. Yes. That, that was a, a law that was set up by God. Life is in the blood. And in the Old Covenant, it was the high priest that took the blood sacrifice. Uh -huh. Whereas in the new covenant of grace, which we have available to us now, we take through prayers and through accepting Jesus and confessing him as Lord and Savior, then we have his living blood working for us. And, that, and that's straight from Hebrews 10 verse 8 when he said, Thou hast neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law, which was the Ten Commandments. Then he added, Lo, I have come to do thy will. He abolishes the first 
in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So that's why Hebrews 8 was such an important part of that, 8 through 10. Because it's no more sacrifice, right. no more burnt offerings. Right. It's only through Christ. If you are born again, you are one of the saints. You are the people of God. Now, do you realize how important and powerful your prayers are? They arise and abide in the presence of Almighty God. Now, think about this. Are your prayers being answered? Do you sometimes feel like you don't know how to pray? Would you like to learn to pray with more confidence and power? Do you sometimes feel like you need others to pray for you because you don't feel like you are good enough to go before the Lord and ask Him to intercede for you or for others? Or are you uncertain about whether God will hear your prayer or whether it is worth praying about small concerns? You know, some people just say, well, that's not worth praying about. God can't be bothered with, with my little concerns. Well, we have a big God, and He has enough capacity to take care of all of our needs and concerns, big and little. There's nothing too big, there's nothing too little to pray about. He knows the numbers on our head, and if, he, if you're bald, He knows how many you used to have. So he pays attention to detail, and he's concerned about us. Your answers and provision are in the promises of God. God's words are infused with the very power of God himself. There is power in the blood, and there is power in the name of Jesus to fulfill God's word and to defeat the prince of darkness. The prince of darkness, Satan, comes to kill still and destroy. Do your words promote or do they destroy? Do your words and prayers line up with the word of God or are they useless and ineffective? Your prayers are extremely important and can change your life forever. Your prayers can take away the anxiety of trying to do things yourself and let God put his supernatural power into your natural situation. That's easier said than done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We sometimes like the control of doing it ourselves without giving God the, yeah, letting Him do it. So, so we, we need wonder, to, then we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. Yeah. So we need to learn how to pray effectively. <laughs> According to Isaiah fourteen twenty five, our Lord Almighty will break the yoke and remove the burden from our shoulders. Do you want to go Isaiah and read that? 14, what? Isaiah 14, 25. 25 yes. Sandy could read that. Sure. <clears throat> I will crush the Assyrian in my land. On my mountains I will trample him down. His yoke will be taken from my people and his burden removed from their shoulders. So he has, has uh, yoke-removing, burden-breaking power <laughs> in his words. R.A. Torrey said, 
Prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouse of God's infinite grace and power. All that God is, all that God has, is at the disposal of prayer. That's pretty, pretty powerful. Dr. Timothy Keller, and Tom Flarber knows him personally, so he may have some comments about this. But Dr. Timothy Keller wrote a book called Prayer, and I'm quoting from that. Prayer is the only entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way we experience, it. We experience deep change, the reordering of our lives. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. We must learn to pray. We have to. Now Perry Stone asked, why does God answer your prayer? And he gave five reasons. To prove that he is God. To build your faith. To build your faith in his word to show that he loves and cares for you, that your joy may be full. Anyone have any comments on that? Well, I was just thinking about the fact that we have a dog. She's very cute, but she, you don't know what she wants unless she asks for it, you know? And so she has several buckets of treats. <laughs> The funny thing is, Tina's always like, which one do you want? Which one do you want? You know? <laughs> and I was just thinking that, you know, if you don't ask in prayer, I guess, you know, one of the things that is the reason why I want to learn more about praying is because I don't think I often ask enough. And maybe my prayers aren't answered because they're just thoughts, and maybe I'm not praying them and actually making a real, a real prayer that God is hearing. Maybe it's just in my head and I'm just thinking something but maybe I should be looking more at the power of prayer because if you don't ask, how can you receive? You know. I think we have to, when we ask, I think it's not so much saying, I would like to, ha I want this, mm -hmm. as more as less saying, God, if this is what you feel I should have, mm -hmm. then I'll let it up to you to do it. You know. We might want it, but I think I, I pray like, can I have it now? And then you know, when it doesn't happen, then you think, well, I didn't pray. Mm -hmm. I think we need to, I think that's the biggest part is how we go about our wish list with God. Mm -hmm. I think he likes to know that we're, he's there as a friend, not so much as the Santa Claus up in the sky that we, you know, lay, our, lay these gifts, lay all these wishes at his feet and say, you know, can you answer it? You know, can you give these to me right now? Then I think that's what discourages us when the prayers are not answered. Mm -hmm. Because then we say, well, I've prayed for continued healing. But, but we have health. Our healing's already taken place. Mm -hmm. But we pray for, you know, when we pray for healing, I think we need to say, now I pray for health. 
because my healing's already been nailed to the cross. So I'm already healed. And it's a win-win situation with all, with I think most any of our prayers. It's, you know, it's always, they're always answered. Yeah. But sometimes we lay those wish lists that, you know, and think when he didn't answer them, we get upset and say, well, hey, I thought he's supposed to hear everything and know everything and give me what I want. <laughs> and he knows our thoughts, too. Well, that's right. He knows them. But there's power in the spoken word. And we're going to cover all of these concerns in the week to come, and I've got scriptures for them. So, uh, I'd like to say something about Tim Keller. Uh, actually, concerning prayer on him, concerning prayer. You know, when he came to New York City, I knew him many years ago. He's actually from here in Pennsylvania. And he was praying to God before coming to New York. And God was leading him to New York City. But he went to his wife, who I know, her name, her name is her name is Kathy. And their kids were young men. This is a while back. And uh, this is back in the mid-80s, and the church began in 1989 in New York. But she said, raise the kids in New York? No, I would never go to New York. So he let go. He waited until God went to her too. And six months later, she came to him and she said, I think you're right, God is saying this to me too. Wow. So when they came and began, the church had 26 people, and now it has 6,000 people every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really something. Yeah. God was in it. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's beyond Tim Keller. It was, you know, it was God declaring something. And, and to me, it's so wonderful to hear that he didn't just operate under his own you know, he waited till his wife would actually unify with him. And I think that's good to hear, too. Do you think God spoke to him and said you need to wait till some other circumstances? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I would think that's so. That's neat. Yeah. Well, here's a verse that kind of goes with what Tom was just talking about. It's James 5, verse 16. Ed, do you have that? 5.16? Yeah, uh -huh. for chapter 5, verse 16, and you have the Amplified. Good. Yeah, confess to one another therefore your faults, and okay. pray for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. And heart. The earnest prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dramatic in his work, in his working. Huh. Okay. Yeah, with this with this verse, we often remember that that last part: the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That seems to be the the key 
that people remember. But we can confess our sins and pray with and for each other to get the results that we desire through prayer. All believers can be in a prayer ministry with each other. You don't have to have a big ministry. You can just have a prayer ministry and always being conscious of other people's needs and concerns and praying with them and for them. Who is a righteous man? A righteous man is anyone in a right relationship with God. So we need to find out how to be in a right relationship with God by studying his word. Study the scriptures in our Bibles. Okay, let's go to John 8. Is that regular John? Regular John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And we're going to read two verses, verses 28 and then verse 38. Hey, Ryan, do you have that? Yes. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. And 38? 38. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your Father. Okay. Uh, I'd like to read the Amplified along with that. So Jesus added... When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, you will realize, know, and understand that I am He for whom you look, and that I do nothing of myself, of my own accord, or on my own authority. But I say exactly what my Father has taught me. I tell the things which I have seen and learned at my Father's side. And your actions also reflect what you have heard and learned from your father. So, you know, Jesus has the authority and yet he does nothing on his own. Everything he does and says is from his father, our father God. And we're learning the same way. We are to be reflecting and doing and saying what Jesus says, what God said. Stay in uh, John and go to chapter 14. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Okay. And here again, I'd like the Amplified. Uh, it, it expands a little bit more. Do, not, do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? What I am telling you, I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me does his works his own miracles and deeds of power. So there's miracles there, miracle working power. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I'll go back a couple chapters to John 11, 
verses 40 through 42. And Jill? 40, what did you say? 40 through 42. 40 through 42. Okay. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always, but I have said this on account of the people standing by, that they may believe that thou didst send me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with bandages, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Okay. And I just want to read the NIV on the, the first part of that. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. And I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Okay. Then let's go to Matthew chapter 4. And verse 4. Tom, do you have okay. that? Okay. Okay. Uh, Jesus answered, it is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. <clears throat> this is not just physical food, but it's also spiritual food. Jesus is known as the bread of life, and you can go to John 6.35 for that if you wish. Jesus is the bread of life. And a little side note, he was born in Bethlehem, and in Hebrew it is Bethlehem, which means house of bread. So I think a lot of you might have known oh. that. But, oh, that's neat. I uh, did not know Yeah, that. Bethlehem is actually, in Hebrew, the house, the of, house of bread. Interesting. And that's, that. Jesus I was born there. Bethlehem. Okay. <laughs> Consider that everything, looking at those verses, everything that Jesus said or did was from God's words and directions. Jesus was powerful and effective when he spoke. Wouldn't our prayers be more effective if we did the same? We also need to be on guard and eliminate words and phrases that are contrary to God's words. Also, we need to get to the root of the problem, or else the problem will reoccur. Ask the Lord for insight, then focus the prayer based on Scripture, which is the Word of God. So that's why we do, we're praying God's promises. These scriptures are laying the foundation so that you understand the power, the authority, the life that is in the blood, and God's power is transferred to us so that we have that same power when we speak His words. When, God, when He says... <clears throat> 
you and I and I and him. I really kept saying that and over and over and not really understanding that I'm in him and he is in me, which is like I have his power, I, have, I can do what he can do. And I think the fact that then I'm also in him, meaning he knows me. He, he knows exactly where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. That, that was just a revelation to me when I just well, kind of... It's thought, huge. It's a huge yes. revelation. Because it sounds really pretty to say, well, Jesus and me and me yeah. and Jesus. Right. Do we fully understand yeah. what that means for us and, and in our lives and how we can uh, cope through all the trials and tribulations? Yes. How we can get the blessings of God that He promised to us? Well, the power... The power and the authority and what we can do, and how lack and yet how lackadaisical are we in the way we pray, in the way we talk to people, the way we talk at ourselves? We're so lackadaisical. Do we understand the power that is in our words and the power that could be in our prayers if we pray as Jesus prayed, as God tells us to pray, and pray according to His promises? What time do we have? Okay. okay. I think I'd kind of like to stop a little early today. Uh, we will continue with this as to how you actually pray and uh, the scriptures that we want to pray on uh, and help us understand that. I know I'm laying, a, I will be continuing to lay a lot of foundational scripture, but we will also learn the practicality and how to do it. So what I'm going to do right now is hand out this little list of steps for receiving from God. And you can read and study these on your own. They're not all that wordy. I'll just pass them down. And this is the Declaration of Faith, Five Steps for Receiving from God, based on Hebrews 4, verses 12 through 16. And I'll just read them quickly for the online people. Number one is present the promises, present your case. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what you want to do is go to the Word of God and find the scriptures that fit your situation. And the scripture foundation for that is Romans 10, verse 17. The next thing you want to do is to ask the Holy Spirit to show you the promises He desires you to apply. The scripture for that is Romans 8, verses 1 through 16. Step 2 is pray and worship God. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So the things that you'll want to do in praying and worshiping 
is to humble yourself before the Lord. Scripture is James 4, verse 10. Lay the promises before him. Scripture foundation is 1 John chapter 5, verse 15. Next, hear his wisdom and the instruction of the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13. Step three is make your petition. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So write your petition out as your word-based declaration of faith. That's from Philippians 4, verse <coughs> 6. Present your petition to the high priest of your confession, who is Jesus. Step four, prepare to receive. Let us hold fast our profession. Let faith and patience work together in your life. James 1, verses 3 and 4. Step 5. Praise God for the manifestation of victory. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace and find grace to help in time of need. So let every request be accompanied by your faith, thanksgiving to the Lord for his faithfulness to fulfill his promises. The scriptures for this are Philippians 4, verse 6, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. So that's just a little outline, and we'll be expanding on all of this uh, through the coming weeks. And all that was based on Hebrews 4, verses 12 through 16. Hebrews right. 4, 12 through 16, okay. yes. And anyone who's listening online, uh, if you want any of these handouts that I give, just get in touch with me and I'll be glad to give you the handouts. Okay. Now here's a second ha handout. This is practical help in finding specific promises. And I made this up myself, so you may think of other things that you can tell me to add on to this. You know, it's funny, but I never thought of making my own personal list. Okay. <laughs> Practical help huh. in finding specific promises. Number one, make your personal list of scriptures pertinent to your needs and concerns. Keep it in your Bible and use it. And I have lots of samples of books of promises here. And you can see that I made... Lots of lists out of these books. These, those lists are kept in that book. I have lists here in my Bible. Uh, I specifically have a list of psalms that are my go-to psalms that I can pray over. And I have them in categorized. I just add on to them. I add categories. I add uh, verses. And so if... If there's something and I'm not sure how to pray or I'm just overwhelmed by grief or circumstances or whatever can be going on in my life or in my family life, friends' life, I have a handy-dandy list. I know these are proven scriptures I can pray. Pray those words of God. Here's, here's another little list I made up. <laughs> and so, you know, make it very personal to you. 
and keep those lists. Don't just toss them after you have that particular prayer answered. You might need it again in the future or be able to pass it on to someone else. Uh, tip number two, use your Bible concordance and a list of study topics in the back of your Bible or as standalone books. Number three, reference books and dictionaries can be used for more information and also synonyms for words to research. So if you have an area of need like grief or legal needs or you need to pray about forgiveness or pray for help with anger issues, uh, pray for finances, any need or concern, you can probably find uh, a word for that concern and then do some research to find scriptures. Then, of course, there are computer search engines such as Bing and Google. There's Bible software such as iLumina, which I have. Uh, Bible-oriented websites such as eSword. Uh, Sandy Ziegler uses that one a lot, and she has quite a few lists. Does anyone else here have a favorite uh, application on their computer? For prayer. If you have a good one, let me know. <laughs> then another uh, tip would be ministry websites often have topics for meditation and prayer. And if you don't know the website address, you can you know do a Bing re uh, search and using the name of the ministry or the teacher or pastor. Somehow or another, it'll lead you to that site. And a lot, a lot of times, they'll have prayers and um, ways to pray over your concerns. You can also call a lot of these ministries or email them with your prayer request. And uh, they'll pray with you and for you. Tip 8, teachings and books, ministry magazines and partner letters. And then number nine, specific books on God's promises. And for me, this is one of the easiest ways to find prayers by specific topics. Speak what God says. Declare a thing according to God's word and promises. Then see your desired results manifest. Now I have a practicum listed at the bottom of this page and I'm going to put out a challenge to you. It's up to you whether or not you want to do it. Write down a prayer request. Use the God's Promises and Answers for Your Life book and other resources as listed above to find scriptures related to it. Pray these scriptures and document the results. As appropriate and under the leading of the Holy Spirit, share your testimony with others in Christian love. So that, that's the challenge. If there's a concern that you have and you don't know how to pray for it or uh, you don't think you got the answer to your prayer or you have a new need come up, write it down. And then use these resources to find scriptures. Write down those scriptures 
and start actually praying those scriptures and then document your results and and I'd love to hear testimonies as to prayer answered so I know there's lots of issues out there all different kinds of issues but God has promises to address every need it's just a matter of praying his word and listening for his answer so any any other any comments being patient his time might not be our time Turn that up. Stop it. <laughs>